Hey, how's it going? Hey, Aaron, congratulations on the documentary and being released tomorrow with uh, Fathom Films. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, it's been uh, a crazy, a crazy journey, and now we're, um, you know, I think it's uh, more important than ever. Like the fact that it's tomorrow is crazy. Right. It couldn't be more uh, pertinent to right now. Well, I'm very sad that I didn't hear about it till this morning when I was watching KTLA because this is a story that's very close to my uh, my own life. Uh, ethnic, I'm an ethnic Assyrian, so we went through our genocide in 1990. Uh, I'm sorry, in 1918 during World War One as you guys went through the Holocaust during World War II, and our histories have paralleled each other uh, throughout the millennia. So I know what it's like when synagogues are burned down, and I know what it's like when our churches are burned down. And the fact that we're both Semitic peoples and that we have, both Semitic peoples have this notion of, you know, our history also leads to our legacy. And in the fact that you're doing this for the Wilshire, Wilshire Synagogue is quite, uh, quite impressive. Thanks, man. And yeah, it's, it's so true. Like our family and our, as you said, the Semitic uh, relationship, it's the fact that it's being attacked. The America, as I, I said on KTLA today, and I've been thinking about this a lot because we lost uh, my place, my, uh, my camps. My grandfather founded when he came over from Nazi Germany, burnt to the ground this weekend. And uh, it's uh, painful. I don't think I've ever uh, shed more tears than I have this weekend in my life Uh, because that place meant more than one singular person. It it was uh, what he decided to do coming over from Nazi Germany and his way of saying, look, we have freedom and I want to provide that hope and freedom and love to kids of all types. And so it burnt down this weekend. And then uh, I was thinking, man, his America that he came to to be free, mm-hmm. just like, as you said, your relatives came to uh, a number of uh, decades earlier mm-hmm. uh, to be free. That's my America. Right. And his America is my America. And uh, the film Restoring Tomorrow that we did which is actually going to lead to a television series um, called Restoring Your Tomorrow, where we're going around and uh, helping people uh, around the country and even outside of our country restore their place. But now it's also going to be about restoring those camps, Mm -hmm. Camp S. Kramer and Gidling Hilltop Camp that got destroyed, and about restoring places not for the past but Mm -hmm. for the future. And the film Restoring Tomorrow is about just that. It's we as younger Americans lose sight a lot of times of what it means to be uh, an American and what it means, I think, to be an ancestor for the future. Mm-hmm. We're caught up in the daily life, and we need to we need to wake up a little bit and uh, be more be more uh, proud of who we are mm-hmm. instead of pointing fingers, opening our hands, right. Stuff like no, I agree with you on that. Um, just because, you know, the notion, uh, what well, the ancient Greeks used to say, men will plant trees that they will never sit under its shade. Uh, <laughs> and so that's something that you're doing with this as well. And um, I have to ask you this about modern Judaism, because if we go back to, say, the Bolshevik Revolution, and a lot of the fathers of communism had Jewish ancestry, but it seemed very much so in the light of we're tired of being persecuted, so to hell with religion altogether, we don't need it. 
And that seems to have become a stance of a lot of people that I know where they're like, they're Jewish by culture or they're Jewish by ethnicity, but they tend to be agnostic or atheist. Is there a way for the Jewish community that fell off in that regard to reconnect to their faith, not just through this documentary, but through other efforts? 100%. And I think that this documentary isn't a documentary. I share my story. You follow me. And it's uh, it's a movie, but when you leave, it's a call to action. And a call to action filled with hope. Because tomorrow night uh, in the theater, you're not just going to see the movie, but afterwards you're going to see me with leaders of all faiths and all backgrounds, political, famous people. Uh, in this after film, we created two. And what's cool about it is it shows exactly why our cultural heritage, our religious heritage, is about so much more than being, to me, naive to the fact that we know everything. Mm-hmm. We don't. And anyone who says they do, uh, I'd, I'd love to meet them and I'd love to pick their brain because I don't think it's possible. Uh, so, therefore, religion and the fact that people feel it pits people against each other, no, that's not religion, that's extremism. Right. Uh, extremism is very different than religion. And this is coming from someone myself, as you see in the movie, who's straight away from his religion. I'm as guilty as anyone. But as I reconnected, um, and I reconnected uh, because I was supposed to get married and didn't, and uh, the wedding got called off, so I met with the rabbi who I've known my whole life, and then he he uh, had this idea of me documenting it as a filmmaker. And that's what connected me, what started to connect me to my heritage. But again, with, with young people these days, and with how they say, oh, I'm don't want to be a part of that. Well, I, I challenge you uh, to, to ask, why not? Because when you go to places that matter, you're not on your phone. Right. You're not on the computer. You're not doing things that I'm sure both you and I love to do. <laughs> go on Twitter, go on Instagram, go on Facebook, right. play video games, watch TV, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is the root and soul of who we are as people, mm-hmm. which is having human-to-human conversation and contact. Right. And once you do that for a common purpose, you go out and make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. And nothing can replace that. No tweet, no Facebook post, nothing can replace people going out and doing something for the better of the world. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, I'll give you an example from my own personal life. I was in Israel for Easter. So the Hebrew word is Pesach. The Aramaic word would be Peshcha. Uh, you know, both means Passover. And yes. to sit there and, you know, be back in the Middle East, in a, you know, and to be in the old city of Jerusalem. And you're driving through all of Israel and the Palestinian territories. And they're like, oh, why is that unfinished? Well, they found so-and-so's tomb over there. Now it has to be excavated as a historical site. They did this over here, and that's somebody else's tomb, and now it has to be excavated as a historical site. And to see the modern Israel and the ancient Israel facing each other, and the same thing in Lebanon and in Syria and even in Iran and Iraq and everything else, you know, to look at the ancient world, and it's staring you right in the face as you're driving whatever vehicle you're in, it hits that, you know, that's my ancestry, and I need to be the legacy for the next generation. Yeah, that's exactly it. Is uh, And a quote from 
the uh, from the film that I think is very uh, is very pertinent <laughs> is we are the ancestors for future generations, and what you're saying I believe is that. Yeah, and it hits you. Uh, when you when you saw it, I'm guessing, did you feel wow? I, like it starts to it starts to become more real, right? Oh, absolutely! Like when I went to St. Mark's uh, Syriac Orthodox Church, so the entire yeah. service is in Aramaic, right? And now we are sta- we were standing above the room, and we got to go into the room where the Last Supper was, was held and where Passover took place. So I'm sitting here, standing in within history, in in 2018. And hearing the language that was used not only 2,000 years ago, but 6,000 years ago, because Aramaic is still alive and used in some communities. And I'm like, this is the reality hitting. So I understand exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, it's the reality hitting, and it's why – I mean, I'm sure your trip to to Israel must have been a uh, a life-changing type of experience if you hadn't been before. Absolutely, uh, yes. And uh, the – a problem, and this is something that we're not going to figure out right now, and I don't know how it'll get figured out, but that Israeli-Palestinian conflict is um, something that I'm not one to weigh in on, and I don't, I don't try to, because uh, to me, uh, life is about uh, compromise, and so I don't know. Um, once you're once you're pointing fingers, and this isn't regarding that, but just in general, once you're pointing fingers. Uh, you're not opening your hands to the idea that you may not know everything, and the other side may not know everything. But in order, you have to open your hands in order to be open to something. And uh, the moment we start listening, and then hope the other side listens, the, the moment uh, beauty can happen. Right. Uh, what What I do think is. To, to go back to that idea of us being of what what the film is and mm-hmm. and being young young adults mm-hmm. and reconnecting, it's these experiences. And I hope tomorrow night when people go, mm-hmm. they go out and uh, they reconnect with their place that matters, whatever that place may be, because these things that we're talking about, that you're talking about, that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. they're the things that cross the divide. Right. And everyone says right now in our country that we're a divided nation, which we are. Uh, but we're a divided nation with stuff that if you um, if you don't focus on it, it's actually not the most important stuff in the world. Right. Uh, there's stuff that's way bigger, mm-hmm. and that's what this film is about. Rising above, having the people that you'd least expect in the same room, mm-hmm. people... Uh, like like you and me talking right now. Right. Uh, we're we have so much in common, and that's what the film shows. That when yeah. you reconnect, you aren't just reconnecting to a place. You're reconnecting to your past, mm-hmm. your present, and to making your future better for yourself and your neighbors. Right. So how do we do that then? Because you know we see all this turmoil and you know sensationalism, the whole "if it bleeds, it leads" mentality. And it's gotten even more more worse than that to the point that, it, like, if it explodes, it leads. Um, yeah. How do we reach across the aisle? Because I had interviewed somebody that did a documentary about free speech. And uh, a, politi- a political uh, uh, representative from her opposite worldview had contacted this lady and said, I'm dying to see your film. I can't wait. 
And she was so shocked that someone with a completely different ideology in life was interested in her idea of free speech. Well, just because he disagrees with you, how does that take away from him wanting to hear what you have to say? Yeah, I think you just said uh, two things that were pretty brilliant. I don't know if uh, you realized it, but they are. Uh, one Thank you. Is that since, yeah, you're welcome. One is that sen- sensationalism. We're living in a uh, in a world in a country that uh, feeds off sensationalism. Feeds off it. Social media feeds off it. What's the next shock value thing you can do? What's the next shock value thing? And uh, what I believe we need to do is just like you said with that story of people looking at the opposite side and embracing them, is sensationalizing positivity. Because if we can sensationalize it, we can make, bring light to positive things like the, that story of uh, two people that you wouldn't expect having a dialogue. Mm-hmm. Guess what? People love those stories. People love at the end of, uh, what's the, that's the TV show that's so popular, right? This Is Us. Yes. I think there's, a, I've never seen it, but I know it's so popular. People love it because they cry, they laugh, but at the end they feel good. Our mm-hmm. film is the same way tomorrow, uh, the restoring tomorrow, uh, coming out tomorrow. And the idea of sensationalizing positivity, sensationalizing reaching across the aisle and having a conversation, that's what's amazing. And let me, if you, if you don't mind, I'll tell you something. No, please, go ahead. To me this, uh, this weekend. Uh, I had... One of the crazier weekends of uh, my life, um, I was uh, I did a TV spot in L.A. for one of the channels. Uh, I got on a plane directly and flew to New York to be on Fox News. Okay. Uh, so I'm a uh, uh, guy from Los Angeles in Hollywood. Then I go to Fox News. I do. Uh, I'm mainly a narrative filmmaker. This is my first feature documentary, and then uh, my next film is a thriller called Tar. Uh, and uh, so I go to New York. I'm in uh, New York. I do Fox News National, uh, and none of it. Again, so far, nothing is about divides. It's about commonalities. And then I go and fly from Fox News from New York the next day to uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia, to be on the 700 Club and CBN okay. and Christian Broadcasting Network. And it's something I've personally never watched, but it's something that um, that embraced me and wanted me on, and I did multiple things that they've been promoting in this film. And again, we had commonality. So I'm going from Los Angeles, commonality, common talk, common conversation, listening to one another, to Fox News, commonality, common conversation, rising above the political noise to this place of commonality, to Christian Broadcasting Network, to commonality where they hugged me, embraced me, and said, we love what you have to say, to flying back to Los Angeles, finding out that the camps my grandfather founded had burnt to the ground, the first Jewish camps on uh, this side of the country that opened their doors to people of all religions, of all types, and they burned to the ground. And then today I was on the uh, show, I guess you watched, um, on KTLA, which is a it's a L.A. channel, but it's on every, all over the country, because whenever I'm in a hotel, they have it. Okay. And... Uh, 
when I was in college, they had it in my dorm room, so it was cool because I had to watch the Dodger games. <laughs> so then I was on that talking about uh, talking about the same thing. All these news outlets and all these things sensationalize how they hate each other. Right. And I just went around all of them, and I had them all agree with the same thing, my message. Right. And so I don't know what that proves, but I know it proves something. Well, it's a beautiful message, and I'm thrilled to hear it. This morning you had made mention that there was a piece of wood still left over. I don't know if it was the signage or not that uh, that your grandfather had put up, but it was the only piece of wood at the camp that did not burn. What was that exactly? So this is, uh, and this is why it's so strange that this film is uh, is being shown nationwide tomorrow. And is it coincidence or is it God's way of making his presence felt anonymously? That's up to everyone, anyone to decide what it, what it is. But I'll tell you this. Malibu burned. The camps burned. Everything burned. Um, there's a menorah that's called Rabbi Alfred Wolf Inspiration Point. It's my grandfather's, uh, it's in honor of him, and it's a place that people go, and people do everything from look out to the ocean to see a dolphin. People have had their first kiss. People have probably gone there and done more than had their first kiss. People have uh, just go out there and think. And there's a, pla- there's a plaque there, a wooden plaque that says Rabbi Alfred Wolf Inspiration Point. And I go there, and so many people go there, and it's this special place. And for, and somehow, and I don't know how, it's it's illogical. It doesn't make – nature nature would argue that this couldn't happen, mm-hmm. but it's still there. This wooden plaque that says Rabbi Alfred Wolf Inspiration Point is still there. Wow. And, uh, you know, there's – I – I, science would say that's impossible, mm-hmm. but uh, it's true. Mm-hmm. And when we noticed, when I noticed that, I thought, and through my tears and through my uh, sadness this weekend, I thought, um, there's something bigger. There's something. There's something going on here because there's uh, it's just too. It's a beautiful statement amidst something so tragic. Mm-hmm. It really is. And how do we heal the divide within the denominations of the various Abrahamic religions? I mean, Judaism has orthodoxy, has citicism, um, you know, conservative, reform, reconstructionist Christianity, orthodox, Catholic, and various Protestant denominations. And again, with Islam, Shia, Sufi, and Sunni. How do we uh, how do we heal those divides within our own religions and still reach across the table to our other Semitic brothers and sisters and and shake hands and go all right we're all children of Abraham. So again another great question and I'm glad we connected because this is uh, your your questions are actually a lot better than some of the famous uh, news. Uh, News people that I've talked to, uh, news anchors. So I commend you for that. Thank you. Uh, and what they, uh, what the, the pro- a big problem that I think, and I think I should, again, it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it, and I think we do it when you see the film tomorrow, uh, and you see what we did afterwards in the, the after film, mm-hmm. is, uh, is uh, what people, <laughs> people are arrogant. And people think they know everything. And arrogance to me is just stubbornness. And it's actually, arrogance is is being, 
not open to what you don't know and not open to listening. And that's the problem, is everyone or too many people think that their way is the only way. And my grandfather, who is uh, the smartest man I have ever known and accomplished things that shouldn't have been, he should not have been able to humanly accomplish, given where he came from. Uh, he was all about interfaith, about accepting differences, about listening to others. His best friend growing up, when I was a little kid, was a priest. I thought they were brothers for a long time when I was little. I actually didn't know that they weren't. I always thought that was Papa's brother, mm-hmm. my grandfather's brother. And then little when I got older, I realized, oh, he's a, they're not brothers. They're just brothers in arms. Mm-hmm. And it's it's when we're arrogant in thinking that we know the only way that we're as a as a society we're toast because we're not we're not realizing that our way isn't the only way it's just a way right and i think that the more we spread what we're talking about right now these conversations when we spread the idea that we might not know everything someone else might not know everything we're open to our opinions they're open to their opinions and we can uh, and it, when it comes to religions accepting others even if we think that what they how what you know they're totally wrong as long as long as people aren't shooting each other right hurting each other it's a discussion it's words and it's conversation and to me it's okay and we got a—it's just arrogancy that uh, that prevents us from being open-minded. Unfortunately, that's our society. No, I, yeah, I agree I, with you because what I believe shouldn't. This, this is what I, I've noticed because I used to teach religious studies. Oh, you did. I did, and one thing I noticed was that people within their own denominations argued with each other more than people outside their faith. Yep. <clears throat> Which I always thought was hysterical, but. Um, it was always interesting in the fact that no one wanted to hear anybody else's point of view, and there was always a lot of finger pointing. Uh, and you had mentioned, you know, closed hands. And it's interesting to sit there and go, just because you believe differently than I do, how will that affect my faith in the God I chose to worship? Yeah, and exactly. And that's... Uh, I'm. And teach, now I know why you... Uh, <laughs> why you're so smart in your questions because you were a teacher in this uh, topic and uh, it's so so true the the moment we close our ears we close our minds and we're in a in a unfortunately in a society right now in 2018 November that uh, sensationalizes that and loves that and too mu- I think too much on TV they focus on that and so then it makes it uh, riles people up and makes them think my way is the only way and I want to do something about it so much so that I'd even walk into a church or a synagogue and shoot people. And uh, <clears throat> I think that's a uh, should be a big check yourself at the door, mm-hmm. not for the shooters, but for all of us to think, wait, are we are we helping cause the problem by not being open-minded to the fact that other people can have different ways of uh, of praying, of looking at the concept of God, of looking at the concept of spirituality, and that's okay. Uh, as I like to say, what 
if it doesn't affect you directly, right. why are you so mad about it? How very libertarian of you and laissez-faire. <laughs> yeah. And then and actually one other the Jewish part that you said. I'm always amazed. So I'm I'm a reformed Jew and by uh by label. Okay. Because that's what my grandfather was, so I'm reformed. Do you know how many times I've been told uh throughout my life Oh, so you're less Jewish. And I always say no no no. And this was before any of the stuff now. This was when I was right. a kid. Okay. And I always say, No, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm the grandson of a rabbi. <laughs> I'm quite Jewish. I just practice it differently than other people. Uh, and uh, I'm no more or less Jewish than uh, the next Jew that's uh, that's to my side. And if they want to talk to me about it, I'm happy to hear why they think they're more Jewish. Right. Uh, I'm happy to listen to them. And then I'll tell them why I think, you know, right. you're Jewish and I'm Jewish and it's great that you do it your way and it's great that I do it my way. And uh, I, I can't. I think it, once we simplify it, doesn't it seem actually pretty obvious? It does, because I'm an Orthodox Christian. So all the Protestant Christians that would be more on your on your side with the less formalities going on, look at me and go, "Oh, you guys are the strict ones." Yeah, that's so, so silly. <laughs> it's so silly. No, you just your way of 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 being. Mm-hmm. Of of your of a, approaching your religion is just different. It's just different. It's a different way of being spiritual, of being, of feeling connected. Right. Nothing more, nothing less. And uh, are, you don't get mad at them, right? <laughs> Not unless it gets to the point of just trying to shout me down and go, "You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong." I was like, "All right, then you know we don't have to finish this conversation." Oh yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> That's what. At some point, um, especially with trolls for me on social media, man, I've been. At some point, you just block people because right. there's just I don't want to I don't need to I don't need to be told I'm a, a cockroach uh, too many times. Or I, I mean, you know what? It doesn't hurt me, but I don't right. need to hear it. I, I, right. Exactly. At some point, you stop the conversation. But uh, as you said, you try. You yeah. engage in conversation, and at some point, of people just want to be stubborn or want to be naive or to me just want to be not intellectual about mm-hmm. it, then. Uh, we stop the conversation, but what is cool about tomorrow night? It's very rare, and and we're cool too. We've got uh, we've been you know shortlisted, qualified for the Oscar nomination with this film. And what's cool is I think you're going to see people from all different denominations and religions go to the theater and experience something together where they see people of all religions talking about commonality and differences and saying in one of the messages, besides coming back to our roots and following my journey, another message is accepting how beautiful it is that we are different. Right. Well, let me ask you this about your journey, because clearly your grandfather suffered quite a bit. And he endured quite a bit and came to America and sought freedom and everything else and was a rabbi and a holy man. How does the grandson of a rabbi who's witnessed his grandfather's trials, tribulations, and still success fall away from the faith when he had such an in-house example of what to live in a rabbinic lifestyle? Uh, I'm as guilty as charged. I uh, was raised with it, and uh, 
was what's the best word to use? Uh, I took it for granted, mm-hmm. and I was a typical teen who thought I knew everything and thought that, I don't know, the girl I liked or the party I wanted to go to or the, you name the thing that I got caught up in and then I go to New York and I'm a, a student out there and I'm hang, you know, all about film, which has always been a love of mine. And I just thought that I, one, knew more than I did. I didn't know much then, and two, I thought that certain things were way more important than they actually were, as a lot of uh, teens or got people in college do, and it's amazing to me because, as you said, I'm the grandson of a rabbi, and I still did that, right. and, but, but you see, you, in this film, and I... As I said, I, I turn the camera on myself and bare my soul a bit because I ask these questions and then I try to show the answers as I go through this journey. And because we are all but hu- we are all but human, we are only human, and we are flawed. We are imperfect. We are. I guess there's a couple people out there uh, that are high up on the ladder who seem to think they are perfect, but uh, in my opinion, nobody is perfect, and nobody knows everything, and nobody is always right, and nobody has, uh, nobody doesn't, everyone makes mistakes, and I did. I just, uh, I love my, uh, I loved my grandparents. I was always close to them, but I was close to them like, a family member, not like a rabbi. Okay. So if that's a, if that makes sense, it was just a, just me being a. <laughs> you don't have to quote this part, but just me being kind of a young dumbass. Well, you know, I actually that's a great quote. So you know, I I kind of <laughs> want to run this in long form. Just you know, your your coworker's name I would say t- would be the only part I cut out, just because I want to keep respect for her anonymity. Yes, but, but uh, yeah, I was. I was a young dumbass. I was just like I was. I was. I was. Um, I was very, uh, you know, naive and just thought I, I uh, thought there were the things that I thought were important. And sometimes when I look back at the thing when I was like eighteen and fixated on some girl or something like that, and that I thought was the most important thing. Looking back, oh, was it not? Right. Oh man, I, I want to like pitch myself and say, Aaron, wake up, wake up! Why did you care so much about right. that? Why weren't you focusing on things that are more important in life? Right. Now, what would your grandfather say about your return to faith? What did your father say? And what did the rabbi at the Wilshire Synagogue say? Who so I assume is your current rabbi, or just the one that you assisted in uh, refurbishing the the synagogue? No, he's my current rabbi and friend. Uh, we've known he's known me my whole life, and Rabbi Steve Leader, and he's in the film, and he's uh, a friend. And uh, we've, especially really through this, grown a deeper friendship and stuff. We've spoken a lot. We've been on radio shows together and things like that. And so, what I know, what my grandfather, I believe, would say right now to me is. Uh, I have no qualms about what you were, and I'm 
I hope you would think I'm proud of what you're doing now because the uh, reason I'm doing it in so many ways is because of him and because of my love and appreciation for who he was and the amount of people that he impacted. And in making this film, it was like a choose-your-own-adventure book. Did you read those when you were a kid? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> so this was making this film was like one of those where every everyone I met, it was like, all right, where's the next adventure I'm going to go on in, in finding out more? And I kept learning more about all these people he affected and all this interfaith dialogue he did and all these pe- the people, these well-known people in our society that he knew and that he talked to and that he was a part of their their lexicon. And so when I think, what would he think now? I think he'd be, I think he'd look down and say, good, Aaron, you're continuing what I was doing Mm -hmm. in a small way. Not, I I will never, ever, ever be what he was. Uh, And I don't try to. But if I can carry on what he started, then I feel like I'm, doing something right and you're uh, my my dad my dad who i talk to all the time and uh he is my harshest critic and my biggest cheerleader at the same time so uh and he's in the film too and you see him challenging me with questions Mm -hmm. some of the pieces of the film and so he is Again, my harshest critic and my biggest cheerleader in the in the exact same person. And I uh, I also know that what that even he told me only last week because after the synagogue shootings we had a couple pretty intense conversations and he said he even wishes he had appreciated my grandfather and the amount of tenacity he had while he was alive and he uh was raised by him directly i was kind of raised co you know by him as well but as a grandfather uh and and when I, my dad said that and he actually got choked up as he was telling me that and, I thought, and my dad never gets choked up and i thought wow even you're saying that it's just i think it's because we realize getting on a boat from Nazi Germany at 19 years old. When I was caught up, like, I'd get upset, you know, if I, I don't know, I was dating a girl and like, something went wrong. And he was, all his friends and relatives were getting killed, and he got on a boat to come here to lead uh, Jews in America uh, and saved his life and his parents' life, and most of the rest of his family died in the camps. And that was when he was 19, and he started uh, Jewish uh, synagogues all over the West Coast when he was in his 20s. And then he started these camps, how old would he have been? Like, he was, I guess, in his 30s when he started the first Jewish summer camps on uh, either on this side of the Mississippi or all of the country. It was the first of its kind, especially the first that was opening its doors to all to all people. And I just think and he thinks it's like, wow, what a brave person. Yeah. There aren't too many of those. Not not the way they we don't make them the way they used to, right? 
We don't make them the way they used to, but you know what? We can all follow their lead a little more. Yeah. And I think we're not doing it enough. And now, are you starting a crowdfunding or a charity or something to rebuild his camps, his summer camps? Yeah, what we're going to be doing, and again, this is all very new, but uh, so the next, one of the next things, so as I said, because I looked at your site, and you do a, you cover a lot of ground, so we have uh, we have uh, a lot of projects going on. We're, we're about two-thirds of the way done with shooting a uh, my next documentary. After this one, I said I'd never do one again, and then the next day I started doing the next one. Right. So, uh, Naturally. It's called we are... Yes, exactly. It's called We Are All Disabled, and the dis is in the background, so it's really We Are All Able. It's about uh, the education system and how we must uh, address address it and change it because uh, the concept of disabilities and differences and all this stuff needs to stop because we all have things we can add to the world. So I'm doing that project, Uh, and it's a documentary and a feature uh, film. Wonderful. So we're doing that, those two films, which you look up more online. Uh, and then uh, we filmed a thriller called Tar, about the La Brea Tar Pits in Los Angeles, and an animal that uh, is awoken by the building of the L.A. subway system, and it comes up and attacks the city. And I play the son, and my dad is played by a legendary actor named Timothy Bottoms, and uh, Graham Greene, sort of two Oscar nominees in the film, which is cool. Graham Greene plays an archaeologist. It's a fun thriller. But all that got put aside because this Restoring Tomorrow project became so important because of what's going on in our country. And uh, so I put, even though that film's done, we're waiting on to have it come out because this became so important. And the next thing after this is going to be a TV series uh, called Restoring Your Tomorrow. And the first episode we did was with an HBCU in Atlanta uh, called Morris Brown College, and we we went down there, showed the film to them, and got on the news everywhere there and started their capital campaign. Uh, and the show is all about going to other places that need restoration, and uh, and starting their campaign. And then every episode will update on the last place while also showing a next place. The second one we're doing in December, I've been invited to go to New Zealand and speak with the Prime Minister of New Zealand about the most famous theater there that's in disrepair. And our event is going to be the start of the restoration of that theater. And then the now, the through line throughout the show, which again, life throws you crazy curveballs, is uh, going to be the restoration of the camps. And I'm going to be on my hands and knees probably starting Thursday, uh, sifting through the rubble and rebuilding it, putting as many pictures as we can find on the on the walls as the new buildings get built, as money gets raised, and as we restore his uh, amazing, amazing, amazing vision that will not go away, and I am uh, more determined than ever to make sure that doesn't happen. And I've already had a slew of people reach out to me. People, are re- we're not. Not only are we not going to let it happen, but we're going to make it be an example of how nobody can let these visions go away. We have to make them better than ever when we are faced with adversity. Well, we can lose a building, but we can't lose an idea, and hopefully we lose far less people. You nailed it. And uh, the more we show these stories, 
show restoring your tomorrows, show that this is something that can happen to any community, anywhere, anytime. Then the more we're, as you said, the uh, the word sensationalized. Then we're sensationalizing beauty, not hate. And we're stopping hate, and we're starting hope. Well, God willing. Now, for tickets tomorrow night, can we go to the theater directly and purchase them, or do we have to buy them through FathomEvents.com? No, well, you can do both. Okay. You can uh, go to the FathomEvents.com. You can go to Howling Wolf Productions, the, our company site, which has a direct link to the tickets, and you just put in your zip code and buy a ticket. Mm-hmm. Or you can go to the theater and buy a ticket. I think some theaters will be selling out, so I recommend going online, but usually uh, movie theaters are good and they sneak you in, right. so uh, you can, uh, you should be able to get in most places, it's in a lot of theaters, and, okay. um, and so yeah, and, and or on my link, my, on the Aaron Wolf, is, you know, on, and I keep, I put up the link so you can grab tickets there, go to your box office, wherever you live, and uh, I think there's theaters um it's showing in just about every uh part of the country i know in orange county huntington beach uh century theater showing it amc in orange and uh another theater in tustin will be showing it there you go so that's a <laughs> i i own you know i i know people in orange county have said to me oh i'm going or i got my ticket or i'm going to see so, yeah, i'm sure you can go up to that's a lot of theaters so i'm sure you yeah. can go up to uh the box office and grab them but it's uh me personally i always buy my tickets online just because it's uh then you can uh, know you have your ticket before you go right i i dig it man uh social media where can we find you and the film itself yeah, so uh, where where do you live, by the way? I'm out in Orange County, so the Huntington Beach Theater is the closest one to me. Oh, awesome! Yeah. I, oh, one thing that I I just want to make clear that uh, the part of the proceeds for this are going to the uh, victims of terror fund for the victims in uh, Pittsburgh. Oh wow! And uh, the family the families of the victims in Pittsburgh. So when you go buy your ticket, just know you're you're not only going to hopefully. Uh, see a movie and then go out and feel good, feel hope, and maybe re- you know do something good afterwards. But you're also giving to people in need, right. and uh, I think that's important to know because the moment that happened, I felt that that was uh, very, very important. Yeah. And so that is one thing. And then I'm the Aaron Wolf on all social, Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. Aaron with two A's. uh, Aaron with two A's, no E. That's the girl way. Uh, So I'm the Aaron Wolf, T-H-E. And the only reason the the is there is because uh, Aaron Wolf was taken when I went on social media. So I had to be the Aaron Wolf because I had to add something to it. Well, now you're a film uh, noir character. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I am. uh, I'm. uh, I could be next to James Cagney, uh, or I could be in L.A. Confidential. There you go. And then. uh, the movie, it's restoring movie on all social media. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're Howling Wolf Productions or Howling Wolf Prod on all social media. Mm-hmm. So those are all the links. So then if you just go to Google it, Fathom Events and Restoring Tomorrow, it pops right up. You put in your zip code, as you did, and there mm-hmm. you see all the theaters around you. Wonderful. So those are all the ways. And I encourage people to follow along with the journey because I personally approach life in a way and with my social media outreach where I always uh, put up hope and positivity. Uh, 
and try as best I can, no matter what's going on, to uh, grab something hopeful out of whatever terrible is going on. Awesome, man. Well, I'll do I'll do you one better from a just a social standpoint between you and I. Yes. Next season, we will go to a Dodgers game. Oh, yes. And although you will be in Dodgers blue, yes, I will have to be with my hometown in Giants black. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and we will uh, we will battle it out. Yeah. But and uh, and you know, can I can I say because that'll be great and I will love that because we. Uh, uh, you know, there's to me, uh, baseball is uh, now that it's over, it kind of sucks mm-hmm. because it's uh, it's that wholesome, loving, great thing that makes us, uh, you know, <laughs> escape and feel feel the joy of life. And I uh, think that sometimes, unfortunately, people are making these bigger concepts that we've been talking about mm-hmm. be just like the Dodgers versus the Giants rivalry, but it's about life stuff. Or the Yankees versus the Red Sox is what I always say because that's right. the most famous rivalry in the land. Right. And I say that's not who we are as Americans. Those are we can have a team, mm-hmm. but that's just our team. That's not who we are. Right. You know. Although I do bleed blue. <laughs> well, then that makes you the first Jewish American blue blood. <laughs> yep, I am. I am. Uh, I am that. Although there's a lot of Dodger fans, and, and, right. and, and uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I haven't uh, been uh, seeing all that's been going on in the off season yet, but I do know that we have our our boy Kershaw back. So right. I'm excited about that. Well, we'll get some Dodger dogs. We'll have a good time. 